You're listening to Lead Speak Grow with your host, Dr. Makisha Mullins, also known as Dr. Mac. Lead Speak Grow is a space curated for those ready to take the lead in their lives, speak a truth that affirms them in their purpose, and places them on a path of continuous growth. This is a safe space where I have real conversations with guests about life challenges and how they've overcome them. I hope you are inspired to lead, speak, and grow today and every day forward. So today I have the privilege of speaking with someone I've known for a few years, pretty much all of my years. <laughs> it is Jeanette M. Popo DDS, um, also known as Dr. Popo, some people. <laughs> but she is obviously a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend to many also a grandmother now as well, um, so little Mania, but also a pediatric dentist now in Albany, Georgia, and has dedicated her time to caring for children. She has served and cared, um, worked in healthcare previously as a respiratory therapist, as well as a general dentist. Um, and that's really, that journey is really what I want to talk to her about today. So I just want to welcome Dr. Popo Zimba. Hello. Hey. Hi. Thank you you for giving me some of your time today. I know your time is at a premium. Yes. Um, But when I start thinking about people that I wanted to talk to for this um, podcast, I just was thinking about people that have taken, made bold steps in their lives and Mm -hmm. made major pivots and big changes in different components of life, whether it's, you know, in their personal health, personal finance, professionally, educationally, whatever it is. And with you, I think about the two big things. I think um, now that I've kind of come of age, I look back on say, oh, I don't know if I would have done that at <laughs> 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 that point in time, um, because I knew you when you were going to school at, um, Medical College of Georgia, become a respiratory therapist. I remember visiting you there and it'd be a great excitement. And you started your career and you worked in respiratory therapy for how long? Four years. For four years. From 1987 to 1991. Yeah. So four years. And so after those four years, what? What happened? And after those four years, I... Um, decided to go to dental school. Well, the third year of respiratory therapy, I decided that um, I wanted to change careers. I was exposed to a lot of careers at the Medical College of Georgia because there was all all the allied health fields were there. There was a med school, a dental school, and um, you could get PhD, master's degree, um, but it was all in the medical profession and pharmacy was also there or is still also there. And so I decided um, I was exposed to those fields and I had, um, I had a root canal done while I was in respiratory therapy school. And I thought it was pretty cool. So I talked to some of the uh, fellow 
um, minority students that were there and they were like, oh yeah, you should consider dentistry. I've seen your penmanship and this and this and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, does that have to do with anything? But um, it does have something to do with it though. And I, uh, so I decided that, you know, I think I need to go to dental school. One, because I worked in a large hospital in Atlanta and there as a respiratory therapist, we worked from the uh, neonatal intensive care unit to open hearts. And whenever there was a cold in the hospital, there was one cold cart. So everybody on my shift, they were new grads. We had all graduated in 1987. So everybody was green. Everybody would run into the intubations and things like that. And so, you know, after a while, I was like, wow, at the time, I said, I can see myself at 40 years old, running up and down these hallways. I have to find something else to do. So, and then I said, well, dentistry, dentistry will be good because one day I want to have a family and so I can choose my hours and um, I don't have to take call and um, that kind of thing that kind of changed a little bit. Um, But so I decided I'm going to go to dental school. And so that's what I did. I applied to dental school. I got accepted to several dental schools, but I decided to go to Meharry Medical College. And um, so I left and went to Meharry Medical College in 1991 and started um, dental school. So that was a career shift. Um, It was kind of... um, it got scary once I got there because I realized I had collected my last check <laughs> from working. Okay. And so then I was like, I remember going to uh it was like a not cub foods, but it was a it was a warehouse type of food store. And um and I just remember just praying, saying, Oh Lord, what am I gonna do? What have I done? You know. <laughs> I had a car that was only a few years old, and um, but thank God my parents took over that car note for me, so I didn't have to worry about paying a car note. And um, my loans were not looking good because they were like, oh, you made all this money, so you should be able to support. I'm like, I can't support half of my, I had to live and pay taxes. So that was all worked out though, but I remember just that reassurance when I went into that grocery store, I started to panic. And I realized how much money I had for groceries. And this lady came up to me and she says, oh, I saw you looking at the peanut butter. I have a coupon. And that was like, it sends chills through my body because now that was God reaffirming that I got you. You know, don't worry about this. From that innocent lady that just gave me that coupon. And so it was. I think it was like, 50% off or whatever peanut butter. I bought the peanut butter, but, um, so, but, um, so then just going to dental school, um, was just, uh, um, I met my husband in dental school. We met in gross anatomy lab. So that was a good thing. Um, um, what'd you say? That's romantic. (laughs) And, um, had, uh, two children while I was in dental school. So um, those, um, you know, I I look back at it and say, and especially the part when 
I decided to go to dental school because, you know, a little bit of ignorance can go a long way. Good ignorance, because I didn't know how competitive it was to get into dental school. So I was just telling everybody, I'm going to dental school in the fall. I'm going to dental school in the fall, you know, and then it never hit me until you hear the statistics after you're there. How many students applied and how many students didn't get in? You're like, oh, wow. And I'm walking around telling everybody I'm going to dental school. I'm going to dental school. But I was blessed. (laughs) I was I had I had options to go, but I decided to go to a historically um, black uh, college um, to pursue dentistry. A lot of people looked at me crazy. They were like, why are you giving up respiratory therapy? And, and, you know, now that I think about it, that was back in 1987. I worked nights. I was making close to $18 an hour back then. Um, and I did very well for myself. You know, I could live by myself. I could buy a car. I could make all my, my notes and everything without asking anybody for it. And then um, if you worked PRN, other places, you know, you got 20 some dollars. That summer that I was out of dental school after freshman year, I worked as um, as um, for a agency in Indiana. And if I did like a specialty thing that they called it, like a arterial blood gas, I got an extra dollar an hour. So I was making 20 something bucks an hour, you know, for that summer. So um, and that was in 1991. So, um, but it, respiratory therapy was, therapy was very good to me. I received an excellent education at the Medical College of Georgia. And I still use respiratory therapy in dentistry. How do you, so, how do you use that in dentistry? Because um, I do sedations as a pediatric dentist. Mm-hmm. So it's good when you have those airway, that airway knowledge. Um, we don't do blood gases in dentistry, but, you know, like starting IVs and stuff, because I do IV sedation also. So, um, it just gives you kind of a heads up with things. And, and I knew that when I took the class for, to do sedation dentistry, there were a lot of things that I knew some things people were teaching and I was like, that's not right. But, um, but it, it gives you, a uh, um, it, it gives you more in it. You're more in at an advantage um, with knowing respiratory therapy. So that's the main thing with sedation. You want to know how to manage an airway. Yeah, I guess that, that makes sense now. Now that you say that, yeah, you want people to be able to continue to breathe. So you go to medical school, like you mentioned, you met, you met your husband, you have two kids, mm-hmm. and then you finish dental school, and then your husband finishes medical school. Right. And, and then we moved to Albany, Georgia, where he's doing residency. <laughs> yeah. So, since, so, so why did you make, make that decision then? It seems like you're having a third, third kid. Wouldn't it make sense to just kind of remain an associate for another well, year or two until you kind of? Well, um, no, because I always had that entrepreneurship built inside of me. And um, being an associate, 
uh, was good because you can see things you're exposed to how to run a dental office and um, things you want to do, things you don't want to do, that type of stuff. So um, that helped, you know, but ever since I was a kid, I've always had some type of business, you know. I used to sell Stuart McGuire shoes when I was a little girl. I used to have sales leadership selling Christmas cards in October, November. Um, then when I was in high school, I had a keychain business. So I was selling keychains, you know. So that was wanting to work for myself, set my own hours. That was, um, that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I did. And, you know, I had people to tell me, oh, you have your husband and you have your kids. Some of the bankers told me. And so, so many words, we're not going to give you any money. <laughs> yeah. So because the thing is, you have to think you are a female, an African-American female, also in a southern, a very southern, <laughs> southern city. But you uh-huh. in Albany, Georgia. Can't get more south than Albany. Um, Georgia and so that whole kind of traditional perspective or outlook comes into play and and your husband's a doctor you don't need to work yeah because often that's that's kind of the goal right that you go to college and you and you marry somebody as a doctor so that way you can then be a stay-at-home mom and have kids (laughs) yeah yeah I've met a lot of women I was invited to a um doctor's wives luncheon early on when I moved here, they used to have a, I don't even know if they still have it. Um, and they were saying that, um, how, um, they were asking me, what did I do? Or I, I listened to other women. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a lawyer, but I don't practice anymore. I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, I'm a teacher, but I don't practice anymore. I'm a stay at home mom now. Oh, well, what do you do? You know, it's always like person after person. Everybody was living on the MD degree, you know, and I remember someone asked me, oh, do you, they asked me, what did I do? I said, I'm a dentist. And they were like, oh, um, something about that I stay at home. I said, I can't practice dentistry at home. Even though my husband gave me that option, he told me I didn't have to work if I didn't want to, but (laughs) I just uh, was thinking about that. So, so you never in all those conversations, because sometimes you do kind of start to think, well, maybe is this a, is this a thing? Is this maybe the next the next phase that I that I do full time mothering? That was never a um, thought. Well, no. <laughs> you know, you 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 think. Well, I thought about it, and then when I thought about it, um, my husband was like. Oh no, I offered you that 20 years ago. <laughs> no, the money's good. You need to stay at work. He's like, keep working. So, and you know, because I was just like, oh, maybe I'll cut back. And, you know, and that was just like after I had Manning, you know, I had said, you know, I wanted to maybe I'll stay at home. I take it easy. After being at home for a couple of weeks, I was like, oh no. I, I can't do this, you know, so. Because how, how old uh, Mia and Kayla then when 
You said Manny was. Uh, well, Manny was um, born in 98, Mia 93. So Mia's five years old. Five years old. Yeah. But I was just going to, I was still going back to work with him. But then I was kind of like um, between my pra- opening up my practice. Mm-hmm. So I did do some work a couple of days for someone. And, um, but you now I was like, but then trying to open up a practice, that's like a full-time responsibility too, because there are things that you have to do. And that was building out of space. So I was going to Atlanta several times a week and, um, well, almost every week going to Atlanta and picking out this and th- these kind of chairs and all that kind of stuff. Just to so, get all the, the start, just the start of basic equipment. All right. Right. So in the, in the midst of all of that, when you decided, okay, I'm going to, I don't want to continue to be anyone's associate. What was the goal that you had for your practice? What did you see happening? What was the future of your practice going to be in, in your mind? How did you see it kind of evolving, you know, in five years or Whatever. Did you have a plan for that? The name of my business, uh, first practice was All Smiles Family Dental Clinic. I wanted All Smiles Family Dental Clinic to be a household name. Mm -hmm. That's where I saw myself in five years. And actually, when I opened my uh, practice, um, it flourished. It, It was and actually it was almost like it was spiraling out of control. You know, because it was it was growing so fast. And so, yeah. So you're you're in this. That was a good time. Yeah, it's growing. You're you're growing your staff because at, at what and how many staff um, members did you have total? Well, when I first opened, I had one. <laughs> when I first opened the doors, I had one one staff member. So she was a dental assistant. And she worked front office, mm-hmm. you know, and then within a couple of months, I hired the second person. Mm-hmm. So at most I had was um, six, six people. That's what I, I was thinking is about six, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So six people. So you went from. One. one to six. So seven of you guys. And then you get to the point, this practice is, has grown like gangbusters, is firing all cylinders. And then you make another change. <laughs> <laughs> you decide, um, I think I'm going to stop practicing right now and I'm going to specialize. So I'm going to have to go stop working and go back to school. Right. <laughs> to get a special right. in pediatric dentistry. What prompted you to shift into pediatrics? Because you could still, as a general dentist, you could still see um, pediatric patients. Correct. So what did, why did you feel it was necessary to take that next step? Well, that's something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to do pediatric dentistry. Um, with having a husband in the medical field and him having to go to residency, I just didn't. And my parents were wonderful because they helped us, but they lived in Indiana or they live in Indiana. So our kids were in Indiana as we were finishing school. 
And then um, I was ready for my family to get back together. I didn't want um, Emmanuel in Albany. And then I'm somewhere else because there's no pediatric residency program here. So I didn't want to be somewhere in another state. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and pediatric residency program, well, residency programs are very competitive because like some residency programs, they only accept two people or three people. You can have a thousand applicants and you got to narrow it down to three people. So, um, so, and, and so I, I didn't want to do that at the time. I was like, our family was young. Our oldest was two. And then we had a one-year-old, but she wasn't even one yet. So I just decided, I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to keep us separated like that. So I'll give up going to residency. So now 10 years after the fact may not been as ideal. When I look back, I look at, well, when I, when I decided to go off on my own, perhaps I shouldn't have done that then. I should have waited and, and started applying to residency programs when my husband was finishing because that would have made more sense, right? So, but it didn't happen that way. And I sort of kind of had a feeling too. I was like, you know, um, as a general dentist, there's so many general dentists here already. Not saying that you can't be successful because you can be, but- And you were. What you said? And you were successful. Yeah, and I was successful. So I decided that um, what I would do is um, not um, not do that. So I remember telling uh, my husband that, you know, I think I'm going to go back to school to see kids. And he was like, you don't need to do that. You already see kids. And plus, you're making a good living. <laughs> it's one of, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, you don't need to do that. And so I went to Costa Rica. We went to Costa Rica. I took my staff to Costa Rica for a meeting one year, the, the same year Katrina hit. And um, it was a PEDS meeting, a pediatric dentistry type meeting. And I had him speak to a young lady who was a pediatric dentist. You know, I told her that's what I wanted to do. And, and I saw a lot of kids. And so she told me, she was like, I think you should do it. And um, so I was like, well, I want you to talk to my husband, you know, so he's not thinking that I'm crazy or going through some type of midlife crisis. And um, and she did. She spoke to him and he told me he was like, you know, he didn't have to speak to her. If that's what I wanted to do, then go for it. So he said, so he said, so when, when are you going to do it? I said, I don't know. You know. And so I just started praying. It was like, God, when should I go? You know, what do I do? How do I make this transition? I remember as plain as day, I was cleaning the bookshelf with all the videotapes and the kids used to take them and just throw them everywhere. And I was cleaning that shelf and straightening them back up for the millionth time. And just the voice, it was an audible. It was like in two years just like that. And I was like, two years. And I knew exactly, I knew exactly what that meant. Two years, two years for you to pay, pay off your student loans, you and your husband pay off your student loans, get your house in order. And that's what we did. So I told him, I said, God said two years. 
So he was like, okay, two years. I don't want you going to residency and we still have student loans. So we made triple, double payments, double, triple, quadruple payments on our student loans. We paid them off in two years. And I applied to residency. And I remember telling someone that I wanted to be a pediatric resident. Uh, I wanted to go to residency. And um, this young lady says, oh, really? Have you had any interviews? Because she's a pediatric dentist. Said, have you had any, uh, how many interviews do you have? I said, I had two. And her whole face just like, you're not getting in. That's what her face would say. <laughs> and so she looked just disappointed. Like, oh my goodness, you're standing home, sis. <laughs> so I, um, so, you know, and it was kind of discouraging to see her like that, but I consider myself a woman of faith. And if God be for me, who can be against me? You can have a million people applying. So it was kind of discouraging because when I, my dental school told me, oh, when you graduated, we weren't ranking people. Okay. So then where does that leave me? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, can you come up with a rank? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Make what me number one then. Yeah. Make me <laughs> number one. I'd be a winner. <laughs> so, um, but I had two interviews, one in New York and one in Florida. and. Um, we went to New York. My husband and I went to New York and uh, for that interview. Yeah. So we went to, um, well, the school is really in Davie, Florida, not Fort Lauderdale. So I went to Nova Southeastern to interview and um, it felt like home. I thank God because I was like, not too many people can say that they're living their dream you know, what they decided to do way back when, and now they have lived their dream. And so, and that's the way, so I'm grateful. What was the thing that led you to want to pursue pediatrics and have a pediatric practice? I like children. I think that, um, and I like to work with patients who have special needs. Okay. And um, when I was in dental school, I, I love pediatric dentistry. You know, it's, it's a challenge at times, um, but it's very rewarding to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I find I just find pediatric dentistry very rewarding. And um, and then, too, in our area, you know, we didn't have um, at the time there was only one pediatric dentistry. Here, uh, dentist here in Albany, and and I just and when I had kids in my practice that needed to go to the OR or um, to the operating room, you know, a lot of people tell me, "Well, you're a dentist. What you do in the operating room?" So I mean, I do what I do in my dental office. But we have children who have special needs. We have children who cannot and will not sit in the chair. And then we have this handpiece in our hand, and we're moving trying to get a moving target. So there's there's an environment for everyone. I wanted to do sedations because everybody doesn't need to go to the OR. Some people just need a little juice and then they, they kind of mellow out, you know, that and some nitrous. Um, some people need some Versed and some fentanyl in their little arteries too sometimes to get them 
where they need to be. But because, you know, it was underserved in that arena and I felt like I needed, I needed to do that, you know, to help the kids. So at the time, the pediatric dentist that was here was not accepting government insurance either. So what did that do to the kids who had government insurance? Because in, in Albany, so surrounding areas, this place like Plains and Americas and Cuthbert, Dawson, and, Dawson. and, and I forget those yeah. couple of them, that are rural areas. Right. So a lot of people, <laughs> just, like, just like urban areas, they'll have those two extremes where there's a lot of people that rely on, on um, some of these basic assistance. Right. And so that's why I was like, well, I need to do this for the kids. And so um, so that's why I, that was another reason why I wanted to do it, because I saw that there was a need for it. And um, so that that's why I did it. So I, I do remember when I was working there, the people driving from. I forget what they said, you know, hour and something away. Oh, yeah. Because they get, couldn't get appointments where they live because no one would take right. uh, Medicaid. Yeah. Or take young children either. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, still. Or or had, or had they couldn't go back to the dentist they had gone to because they had behavioral. Behavior <laughs> <laughs> management, yeah. I think, was the code. Yeah. Behavior <laughs> yeah. management. Yeah. Um, yeah. We used they, to have management Mondays. Yeah. yeah. Um, they need a little extra attention and care. Um, when they would be in the chair, right, right. So that's so, a, a special um, population to to deal with, but they are very fun too. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think um, you think about just the work that you've been doing with with children. Have you? been able to experience or see any kind of differences or, or changes over time from when you first started working in Albany um, to now? Have you have you seen much of a transition in kind of the culture and people's, as you kind of educate people about dental health and for children, especially, because it was, it was kind of a mindset that kids didn't really need to go to the dentist, like, mm-hmm. Like they were just going to be healthy without getting any dental care. Like people don't really think about it. Think about it as separate from their medical care. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, unfortunately, no. I've not seen. Um, I've had. I had a kid that came to me that lives like three and a half hours away because they couldn't find anybody. Yeah, so they were from like the coastal area of Georgia um came to see me um and it was it was an OR case, you know, but so I don't we educate and we try to educate every parent that comes in there um and to just tell them when they should be Brushing. Um, if they if they have teeth, they need to be brushed. Um, you know, a lot of times some kids are still coming right before school starts. You know, when they have their they have to have their eye ear dental exam done, mm-hmm. 
And um, my my staff knows, was that the 3,300 or the 900 or whatever form it is? Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of them don't come. Their first dental visit is at four. You know, and kids should be seen by their first birthday or by their first tooth. So if it's only one tooth in the mouth, guess what? You need to create that dental home for that child. So, and it's not just all about the child, but it's a it's about the, the parent. It's education time. So we're telling you how much juice you should drink and um, don't go to bed with a bottle or a sippy cup. And if you do, put water in it, you know, then they're going to stop waking up in the middle of the night. You know, my kids were, I was blessed. All my kids by six months, they were sleeping all night. No, really three months. I'm sorry, three months. Um, never had any habits like pacifier, um, even pacifiers are just something that um, needs to go out of the window when they lose that, I don't want to say lose that sucking sensation, but when they don't have that need to suck mm-hmm. constantly, wow. you know, um, that pacifier out, you know, two years old, three years old pacifier. Now you got an open bite like this. And I'm like, you know what that means? They can't bite into a sandwich. They can't bite into an apple. And I don't know if you've ever seen anyone who does not have contact with these front teeth. So it's almost like, you know, how a dog tears at something. That's what they have to do. They have to tear at it because these don't close. Mm. Yeah. So um, just with education. So I don't think anybody could leave there and say, oh, I wasn't educated. No. Not unless it was a bad employee. There. Mm-hmm. They're just <laughs> well, they, never told, they never told me that, you know, my kids shouldn't be five with the passive liar or. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, but that is, so we educate, 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 you know, and things happen. There's trauma, you know, kids have big heads and, you know, they go boom and they hit things or, you know, they run into chairs, they, they fall, anything like that. So, and then we have issues with dental trauma also. So, but, um, so there's, there's a lot of education and you can educate, but if people don't listen, there's nothing you can really do about that. So you have to be that advocate for that child. And so I tell kids, you know, cause once you get those little crowns in your mouth, they can't bite into, well, nothing sticky, chewy, crunchy, hard. I always tell them. And so they're like, Oh, for 30 days. No, until they lose that tooth. So you mean to tell me they can't eat it? That's right. I said, now, if they get into it, something sticky, chewy, crunchy, hard, they can, crown may not come off until he's sitting down eating a bowl of grits and the crown comes off. And it's like, that's because all those hundred times they were chewing bubble gum, you know, yeah. or just over a period of time, the cement may wash away. Mm-hmm. But um, so, you know, we tell them that. So that's a lot of extra care or I don't want them to cry at night. I said, well, mama, daddy, do you want them to cry in my office? Cause I don't want them crying in my office really, yeah. you know? So either you have to be 
that parent to say, no, no more juice. And I don't, and I always tell them, I don't live in your home. So I don't have to hear your child cry, but you have to listen to them cry. So that's why it's early, early on, you need to start weaning them and they get up in the middle of the night. No, I don't think any two-year-old will get up and drink a bottle of water, but they will drink a Capri Sun because it tastes good. (laughs) You know, it's sweet, but then you go to sleep with all that sugar on your teeth. Yeah. Or milk too. Yeah. Milk. Yeah. Milk can do damage also. Definitely. And breast milk also, because sometimes parents think breast milk can do that too. Mm -hmm. Sure can. It's sitting on the teeth all night. If it's, if it's pooling, yeah, just pooling in their, in their mouth. Right. They fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Drool out the side of their mouth. (laughs) That's what Mia did. So what, what are some of the, you just, you mentioned a couple things, but what, what do you think the main things that kind of parents and children should learn about their, their dental health? You know, what are the things that they should know, know to do? Like the, the main three or five things, I guess, that, that kids should, kids and parents should know and understand. Well, I think that they should understand that once kids get teeth in their mouth, um, And even before then, you know, they used to think that the bacteria that causes tooth decay was not evident until you had teeth. But then they swab some kids' mouths and say, oh, no, it's there already. Well, how did it get there? It got there because you kiss your baby in your mouth. Your saliva may exchange with that baby saliva. So mom or dad, grandmama granddaddy. Uh, When we feed our babies, we taste their food to see if it's too hot. So Mm -hmm. what's going to get on that spoon? My saliva. If I have the bacteria in my mouth, then what's going to happen? Now, then I take that spoon that I've eaten off of and put it in the cereal. So now that bacteria then is swimming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you feed your baby that bacteria. So that's how it's introduced. And so that bacteria is just sitting there waiting. I've seen kids, teeth that have not even erupted totally, um, partially erupted teeth with cavities because that bacteria is waiting. And then when you add the the, the juice or the milk or whatever to it, yeah. that bacteria thrives. So it takes 20 minutes for... Um, your saliva to come back to a neutral level. So meaning that that bacteria, when you, whenever we eat or drink, if we don't, if we drink something besides water, then that bacteria is going to thrive at that point in time. So brush your children's teeth. They don't have to be four years old. Um, they have bacteria, the same bacteria that you have in your mouth. They're not too young for flossing. If you can't see in between the teeth, then, you know, baby teeth usually have spaces, Mm -hmm. but some kids have, their teeth are like this. So if their teeth are close together and you can't see in between them, floss them. You don't have to be a certain age to floss. Mm -hmm. So, and just introduce more fruits and vegetables to their diet. You know, no more than six ounces of juice in a day. 
and that's backed by the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry and um, the American Academy of Pediatrics. So, um, sippy cups. I wish I always tell parents, I wish I had invented sippy cups. The sippy cup is not the enemy. The enemy is what's in the sippy cup. So if your child can go around and, and do this all day, sucking on a sippy cup all day, then that causes, because remember I told you it takes 20 minutes for that saliva to go back. So if you drink, you don't drink for five minutes, do you? Straight. So you drink for a couple of seconds, you put it down, that kid goes back 10 minutes later, drinks again, guess what? Your saliva is still acidic at that time. So it's going to continue to stay acidic. Mm. If you, if, if it takes 20 minutes and I'm never letting that 20 minutes come to fruition and I'm going back and I'm drinking again every 10 minutes. And then sometimes some kids just take the, the sippy cup and let it hang. They just holding it in their mouth. <laughs> you know, they're not doing anything with it. Pediatric dentistry is, is so satisfying. So with this, but since I've become a pediatric dentist, I want to address other things um, and children that are not being addressed at this point in time. So, um, and when you take on that role as a child's doctor, then you have to become their, their advocate. And um, right now is obesity. Um, so I formed a foundation a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. And um, we did our first, um, we had our first event, January Martin Luther King weekend, that Saturday. And we had a free dental office. So it was mainly geared toward, because a lot of our parents don't have insurance. So it was mainly geared towards adults. And um, we didn't have any children to come, but it was mainly geared towards adults, but we didn't say you can't, you can't bring a child. So if a child doesn't have insurance, of course, but we were doing cleanings and we were doing um, extractions. So um, we were able to, for a half a day, we saw 30 something people. Um, I had three hygienists that were there. We had several dental assistants that came out and one other doctor came to join me. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were able to be of some service to our community. So that's something that we are planning on doing every. And so so what's the name of the foundation that you established? It's, it's the Pope Ozemba Foundation International. So we call it POFI. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so now we have something that is called Hope Circle. And Hope Circle is really focusing on obesity mm -hmm. in our children. So um, it's an eight, eight week course. I don't want to say course, but it's really, it's, it's a group of support and um, where we will talk about health. We would talk about um, mental health, nutrition, and of course, dentistry. And um, to just let um, our young people know what is going on, especially um, our children, our minority children, because I pull the stats for our area in Albany and African-American children have the highest obesity rate 
and the state of Georgia. So when you look back um, over your career, you've been in dentistry uh, a number of years now. We have some point of contrast. <laughs> yeah, 25 years. That what are some of the, what are some of the the greatest lessons you think um, you've learned along this journey, this transition into dentistry, and then to specializing in, in pediatric dentistry? Some of the greatest lessons that you kind of learn is that could maybe just help somebody else is thinking of making a major shift and and leaving or a shift not mean instead of leaving a, a great career but making a shift in that career in their field um similar to what you've done is to i don't think that you i think we constantly evolve um because you have to make plans when you when you're ready to retire, you know, what am I going to be doing with my time? Um, I think one of the greatest lessons is to trust God. He won't disappoint you, you know, and if we would have more faith to just take that, take that leap of faith, because believe me, I had people when, when I was going to dental school to try to discourage me, I had people when I said, oh, I'm going to leave this associateship and I'm going to open up my own practice to try to discourage me. And when I had lost my mind and gave up a successful practice and decided, oh, 10 years late, I'm going back to specialize. You know, um, there was discouragement. You know, why do you need to do this type thing? And so I just feel that. Um, you know, you you have to trust God and you and sometimes you can't share your dreams with everyone. Mm-hmm. You can't because people don't understand what's in you mm-hmm. and they don't understand what you feel that your purpose is in life. You, you, you'll be surprised what you can accomplish in life. So if you have not because you asked not. Sure. And I asked. Well, you have been. It's worked out so far. Yes, so I suggest you just keep doing it that way. <laughs> and I want to thank you for joining me on today's podcast, and to let people know that you can be found. Jeanette and Popo's in the DDS Pediatric Dentistry is in Albany, Georgia. Thank you, Dr. Purple Zimba. Thank you. Thank you for joining the journey. I hope you were inspired to lead, speak, and grow today and every day forward. Be sure you follow the Lead, Speak, Grow podcast on your podcast carrier.